You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 To another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Mr. Chris Hollingsworth. Is that correct? Yes, Robbie. How are you doing today? That was a that's a that's a long last name. Yeah, English, you know. I thought my last name was long. See, I had this thing in school that made me hate my name even more. I mean, you're already cursing a kid to be born as Robbie Robertson, but when your teachers punish you all the time, they're like, I want you to spell your first name and your last name a hundred times and write it down. I'm like, fuck that's no. gonna take me forever and they're like why don't you throw in your middle name and i'm like that's okay because i don't even know how to spell it they're like what's your middle name i'm like that's a secret <laughs> well no it's funny when i got married my wife's still like man i really really don't want to sign your this last name i'm like you'll just end up doing like i do a giant h and a bunch of scribbles it's too long to sign they stopped teaching cursive when i was in school so all my signature is is like the r in cursive and then it's just another r they're like oh that's a good signature i'm like because i don't know how to do the rest if i tried it looked like you gave an autistic kid a crown uh, that's exactly what mine is it's the c a giant c a bunch of scribbles a giant h and a bunch of scribbles and that's what my signature will be forever don't worry. If I ever have to sign anything, it'll be easily falsified if someone tries to steal my signature. Now when I walk into grocery stores and like, you want to sign for something? I'm just like Chuck Norris on it. <laughs> oh, no, it's crazy. My original last name is actually Lunt. But since my dad was adopted, he our last name turned to Hollingsworth. So the English side, English is Hollingsworth, Lunt is Norwegian. So my real heritage is down in Norway, not England. I had a friend of mine, um, he transitioned um, from a girl to a guy, and he changed okay. his name legally. And I was like, you're, I mean, your name's cool, but you didn't want to change like for a different last name, like something manly, like, you know, Jake Thunderbolt, like I would be totally going and abusing that whole just court system in general. Like, I want to be known as Beowulf Johnson the third. They're like, what did you just say? I'm like, yeah. Say that three times fast. You're pulling me over, and you see that on my license. You ain't pulling me over anymore. Uh, I, it's funny because I have, a, I have a cousin that's transitioning. She's a female turning into a male, and she's transitioning. And I was going to uh, – and her name is Lucy, but she goes by Lucas. But I'm like, that's such a boring name. Figure it out. There are some names that are like distinctive guy names. Like if you said Robbie, it could, it's mostly probably a boy's name, but it can swing a little bit to the female side. Like I remember my parents telling me, if you were a girl, I would have named you Raven. I was like, damn, I would have loved that name as a guy. It sounds all mystical and it reminds me of that old school show, That's So Raven. I remember that. My, uh, yeah, you know, and Chris is one of those names that could go either way, too. It's like if a girl's name's Kristen, sometimes she'll go by Chris or Chrissy. Or Christina. Or Christina. So it's like either way. It, those could go both ways, too. Oh, no. Well, you know what? I think we've talked about the names a little bit too much, but let's talk about the man behind the name, and that's you, Chris. So what exactly do you do, Um, either if you want to say professionally or what you do for fun? Um, so professionally, I am a pit master and a chef, um, out of work because of the stupid virus thing, unfortunately. Um, you can, you can still put fun, a pig in the ground, right? You can still just dig yeah, a hole and I shove put a pig in the ground. I still go in my backyard and turn on my, my grill or my smoke on a daily basis. Uh, still cooking on a daily basis at home. Going to be opening my restaurant in about five years. So it's not really that big of a deal. It's just, you know, unfortunate. So you got plans for a restaurant in the business now? Yeah, in uh, North Carolina in about five years. What's the name of the restaurant? It's not guaranteed yet, but it's going to be something Happy Man. Because I'm Happy Man Barbecue. So there's going to be a bar. It's going to be like Happy Man's Bar. And then it's going to be like Happy Man's Dining. But why? Okay, so you say the title Smoker and Pitmaster. Where, where does Happy Man come in? Why, why that name distinctively? Um, I am royally the biggest dick in the entire world. 
So when I first started the Happy Man, um, when I first started the Happy Man page, that name was specifically for one of my employees was helping me start my Instagram because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so one of my younger employees were helping me start my Instagram. He's like, you know what, Chris, you should really be named Happy Man. I'm like, why? Because he's like, for whoever knows you, it's going to be such an oxymoron that they're not going to get it. And they're just going to laugh their ass off. And everybody that doesn't know you is just going to think you're a happy guy. Like, Let's do happy, man. I like that. Because then, like, if someone comes to your restaurant, it's like, hey, can I speak to the chef? You're like, oh, you mean happy man? Let me speak to happy man himself. And then you come out the back like, what the fuck do you want? You got something <laughs> to complain about? Eat it. It's like, oh, this guy is not happy at all. I was picturing a Santa Claus looking dude. And no, he guy comes out with steak knives. <laughs> by far the you know the Santa Claus looking guy but it's um it's a good thing it's fun it's uh kitchen stressful but that's why I want to I like I prefer running the restaurant more than being in the kitchen um because you get yelled at more in the kitchen than you do anywhere else that's a problem with any restaurant industry in general it's always in the kitchen seems to be the biggest problem and I remember like I worked at a hotel uh housekeeping was super stressful i mean you're you know when it's a hot day like 90 degrees outside you're digging through 100 degree linen um trying to get sheets up into rooms and stuff it's just constant pressure everybody's on top of each other so it's constant fighting but the one area i always said was the most difficult and from talking to so many business owners themselves you would find that it would be the restaurant or the kitchen side of things because you're trying to do something that I would consider to be intimate, such as making a meal can sometimes be like, yeah. it's, it's your thing. You don't want anybody in your business. I know when I'm in the kitchen making food, stay the fuck out of the kitchen. You know, it doesn't take forever for me to do it. Um, like maybe 10 minutes or so, but when you're trying to, you know, you're rolling, I'm opening up doors, fridges, shelves, trying to get stuff all into one. And I have the oven going at once, making sure I'm going back and forth. I got my little like rhythm here. Someone comes crossing in through that. You just look at them like you just assaulted the president or something. Like, what are you doing? Get out of my space. You know, 100%. And that's, and it's a funny thing uh, about all that because like, a cook and a chef are two very different people and they have very two different mentalities, right? A cook's going to sit there and he's going to get yelled at and he's going to do whatever the chef or the manager, anybody's telling him what to do because that's his job. Because in all reality, they say servers are the lowest on the totem pole, servers and busboys. But even though cooks get paid more, we may be higher up, or cooks or chefs get paid more, we're higher up here on the totem pole, but we're not higher when it comes to the actual getting yelled at so when a chef comes in and a chef will just ream people apart aka why i'm kind of an asshole because i'm a chef it's something that's notorious for us to do we yell and we yell and we yell it's what we do to get people to do what they're supposed to do now when a when a cook interrupts a chef everything goes to hell when a chef interrupts a cook the cook just steps back it seems like that because of the way the names are. If you even say chef, you immediately, like I immediately think giant ass steak knife, um, like black checkered pants, uh, you know, the giant hat and everything. When you say cook, I immediately think of like uh, with a dishwasher's outfit on a little bit more, like they're a little yeah, bit lower, yeah. lower man on the totem pole. Yeah. And the funny thing about it all is, is I've been a chef and a pit master almost my whole life and I've only worn a chef coat twice. Because I don't like them. I feel like, yeah, you seem, especially if you're doing barbecue or something, I feel like the only thing you probably use is like an apron, maybe just to cover up like your regular clothes. It seems, yeah, I, that's, the, that's the one thing I couldn't do about being a chef is I could never wear the outfit. I'm not a big, I mean, I work security at a casino. I'm not a big outfit guy. So I'm putting on a belt, tucking in the shirt and shit. That's a lot for me. Like that's, that's too much. Like in my everyday life, especially if I'm doing something I want to like enjoy doing, like barbecuing or something i want yeah. to make sure i'm comfortable you know nothing gets caught on fire i won't be naked in barbecue i don't care right so yeah like i'm in i'm besides right now where i'm in my like basketball shorts i'm traditionally in jeans and boots to my t-shirt and i walk into restaurants and they're like you're a chef i'm like yep get me in your kitchen and then they just look at me they're like i'm like but i'm never gonna wear a chef's coat because it's two thousand degrees in a kitchen yeah, literally like, like 
Why are I mean, I'm, I'm surprised more people in the restaurant industry aren't naked in general? I mean, yeah, how fucking hot it gets in there. Like on winter, it's amazing because you, you're super hot. Then you go outside, get a cigarette or something. Next thing you know, you come back in, you feel good. But man, I'm telling you, on those summer days, I'm out, I'm inside. Like it's I remember they they used to get free lunch at my hotel, and sitting there, and it was a hot ass like 98 degree day, and they brought fucking soup hot soup i'm like what what are we doing here where's the cold subs and stuff and then like even during winter there was no hot soup it was all cold meals i'm like you guys are completely backwards from how it's supposed to be yeah like no one wants to eat a hundred degree bowl of soup in the freaking like you know when it's 200 degrees outside that heat stroke holy crap dude it's terrible i'm i and i hate the heat like it's surprising because i've worked in the kitchen my whole entire life but i hate the heat i put like frozen towels on my head when i cook i could see i don't mind the heat like i work out a lot so like i come with like a low 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 percentage of body fat so like i'm cold freaking all the time but i'd rather be honestly i'd rather be super cold than super hot because when you're just sweating all over the place, it's just you're miserable, dude. You end up getting a pool of ass sweat so bad you could fill up a kiddie pool with it. Like it's just not fun. Yeah. See, I, speaking of gyms, I work out all the time. There's my gym. You can see it. You're lucky, dude. Especially in this isolation thing, nobody can ever go to a gym. Thank God I got the key to mine, or I'd be off. <laughs> but I'm still a fat ass because I eat a lot of food. But you know, there's a term: never trust a skinny chef. Exactly. Like I've seen some skinny chefs and it's the only reason why I would never work in a kitchen is because I have what they call an inner fat kid, which is like, I can think of food combinations that'll blow your mind, but that's because I've been eating so strict for so long. Like my buddy yeah. will be making like an Eggo waffle. And I'm like, dude, if you took some frosted flakes and crushed that up on top of there, add a little bit of Nutella, maybe a little bit of black pepper, dude, cook up an egg and throw that bad boy on there too. He's like, that sounds disgusting. I'm like, just do it. He does it. And then he's like, dude, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. I'm like, I know because I know what goes together well, because I haven't had it in forever. You eat salads, you eat cans of tuna all the time. Time, you're going to be very creative when it comes to someone else's food if i walk by a domino's fucking pizza it's over well and it's funny and i prefer like i love food right but i prefer when i cook to not eat until everyone else eats really because, because um something you might not know about most chefs most cooks they prefer they, if you, if it's truly your passion, your life, your livelihood, everything that you do, you want to see the smile on the other people's faces before you eat your food. Because it's like, they're the ones that are really telling you if your food's any good or not. You can taste your food and be like, oh, it's not that I'm very overly critical of my food. So I'll, I'll cook something and everyone will be like, it's phenomenal, but I can take a bite and like, I forgot this. I didn't cook this long enough. This should have used another hour on the barbecue. This should have used another five minutes on a grill. I'm overly critical. This should have used a little bit more salt, but everyone else is like, so as long as everybody's else jaws drop, I'm fine with it. But so that's why I always eat last. I think that's with anybody that um, when you're making something, you can tell the flaws in it. Um, like even with uh, our, our buddy, David, who does way hot, hot sauce. Yeah. Um, he even like, you know, if you don't add a certain ingredient, if the little batch is a little bit off, he'll tell you like his hot sauce is pretty good. His Grim Reaper one yeah. had, had me at a point at one time. I was like, oh shit, that hit me a little too hard. But like if he missed a certain ingredient, he could tell, but I wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah. Like, and it's crazy. He makes crazy hot sauces. I had that, um, I, I tasted that Grim Reaper. I'm sure you saw the video. And I'm like, oh, it tastes like tomato sauce until I stopped the video, and then my mouth was just on fire. Yeah, he sent me that one, and um, I'm I'm a guy that dumps cayenne pepper, dumps oregano all over the salads. Like I'll go through a bottle of hot sauce in like three days or something, and I dumped I think half a bottle all over my salad. And I started eating, and I was like, this is good. And then when I was done, I was like, oh, like your mouth's all like all your each individual teeth was burning. I was like, okay, that crept up on me a little bit. It's, it's like I got new taste buds now. It's all good. Yeah, my, my tongue's going to die, but it'll, I'll grow a new one. So when we talk about barbecue, though, where did the initial inspiration come from? Like, I, I can't – like, for me, I live in a beach town, so it's constantly fish. We have one place that is open 
Um, it's called Smoker's Pit. Uh, okay. It's, it's got obviously it's got what every barbecue chef seems to have all this as their logo. It's a freaking pig wearing an apron with like sunglasses and a cigar in his mouth or something. But it's traditional, everybody has it. I never had it before, um, Smoker's Pit. And then I remember my buddy is a, from Baltimore. He's a giant redneck guy, hunts deer, gets the deer jerky, does all that, the nine yards. And yeah. uh, he bought a smoker and he was teaching me a little bit about it. He goes, when Smoker's Pit opens up, I'm going to teach you some real barbecue. I'm like, dude, I don't even eat red meat. So like barbecue is just out of my thing. And he goes, all right. So we show up. I get a nice like, um, I think it was like a black beans or something mixed with gravy yeah um a little side of mac and cheese which i'm not a fan of mac and cheese um and then barbecue and i was like this is cool so we're pulling apart i think it was like a brisket or something dude it was so good and it was like a nice spring day out we just got back from skimboarding at the beach i was like this is like this is perfect i'm not gonna get cramps and if i do i'll be home i'll be home so beach city you out in florida oh no ocean city maryland Maryland oh that's crazy um so you know I'm moving I live in Huntington Beach so I, I live in a beach city too um but my wife's we're moving to North Carolina because my wife got in Duke and one of her um first year people that are going to be in school with her uh is from Maryland yeah and they moved to North Carolina dude let me tell you something they got to tell you about a thing called a crab feast People from Maryland know what a crab feast is, but we put Old Bay basically on everything, and we do pronounce some of our uh, words of the days a little bit wrong. Like if you say Tuesday, I usually say Tuesday, or I'll say Monday, or something like that. It's a we have a yeah. we're below the Mason Dixon, so it counts as a Southern accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, even when like talking about moving to North Carolina, that's pretty common in places where people are from. They usually move the complete opposite from what they're used to. Like for me, I grew up in a beach town. I don't want to live here any longer. I'm tired of the water. I want to move somewhere out in the country like Tennessee, um, get a change of environment too. But like you'll see that too when doing barbecue, even though you're in Carolina or something, even though places like Tennessee and all these places are known for barbecue. Yeah. They also try and experiment with other things that are really popular because people want to try something that is not local to there. Yeah. So that's all right. So that's the crazy thing, right? Um, so you asked where my inspiration came from. Um, well, my mom cooking, my inspiration came from my mom because my mom was a chef when I was a baby. So she graduated Le Cordon Bleu Sumo Calade. So she taught me how to cook. So that's where my fine dining culinary training came into was my mom. And I started at five, but then I moved around a lot. I have most of my family's outside of California and I'm actually the only one left here now. So I traveled when I was a kid in school, I would travel to different parts of the, of our country and stay with different family members and either homeschool or go to different schools. So because I hate it, I've always hated California. There's too many people. There's too much city there's too many cars i am i'm a country boy my whole family's from like um georgia north carolina west virginia montana um so we this is where this is what we we do you know and so i can't i couldn't live here anymore so luckily we're able to get to north carolina but because of traveling to north carolina to west virginia to montana to georgia i've trained different barbecue by different pit masters so that's where kind of my inspiration came from for barbecue is I fell more in love with barbecue because of my training and just the the stigmatism with fine dining drives me nuts. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm going to give you a three ounce filet for a hundred bucks. Now go yourself no see i'm a big like lower class person i would say i never grew up with a lot of money so i was always like i I mean even when i make my own money like i got a i got a lot saved up so i'm okay with the corona thing that's going on but like i don't spend over if if you if you tell me five bucks eating out that's a lot of money to me like i barely spend five dollars on a t-shirt i can spend like i know people that spend three hundred four hundred dollars on a fucking steak or something and i'm like what what was the point? Like, what do you mean? I'm like, that's groceries for a month. That is more than a month of groceries. It takes forty dollars. I'm good for three weeks. And it's funny, right? So they spent three hundred dollars on that prime flaming yawn, and I can go buy Wagyu flaming yawn and go cook for four people for under three hundred bucks. 
Wagyu sounds like a bear with a bad attitude that was like beaten with sticks. Uh, a little opposite. It, that, that's kind of what it does sound like. But what Wagyu truly is, is a, well, at least Japanese Wagyu, it's a cow that gets put in a pen, massaged, and fed ice cream and beer all day long. Okay, what type of satanic cult is this? It's the how you get Japanese Wagyu. Literally, they just go into this pen, and these, these cows live better than we do until we eat them. I guess because it's like, I get it, I guess. I wonder if the Indian culture would have a problem with that, because I know they're not big on eating cows. I'm sure. I'm sure the Jewish culture would have a problem with me killing a pig, too. I'm not too upset but, about it. I'm <laughs> But there's nothing really I can do about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's different. I mean, what, what do you typically prefer to cook out of everything that you can barbecue of? Because I feel like there are, I wouldn't even consider it, I guess, a barbecue-style food. But, like, whenever I go to a barbecue, there's always mashed potatoes. They always got the green beans. They got asparagus. They got sides to it. But, like, a nice, like, sweet potato, like, baked sweet potato with, like, anything just goes great for me. Yeah, so for sides, I I love essentially macaroni, which is one of the things you don't really love that much. It's the cheese, um, dude. It's too it's too slimy, too slimy. Okay, well you then you gotta eat my macaroni, and then things change. I'm telling you, people eat my food. People are like, oh, I don't like ribs. Eat my ribs. Okay, they eat my ribs. Oh, I like ribs now. I'm not gonna like anybody else's ribs, but I like your ribs, Chris. Well, no fucking shit. I like ribs. I mean, they're very like, see, red meat's just a problem in my stomach. If I eat it, I won't go to the bathroom for a long time. So like when I do eat red meat, I'm like, all right, it's got to be like a small little bit. But like nobody told me when I was a kid that ribs have a bone in it. So I bit um, right into that sucker full on. And then like just oh. a few a few years ago, I had a Haitian woman. She made me um, she, she like I helped her with uh, her job because um, we work in the same profession at the hotel. But I was cleaning up her rooms, helping her get towels and trash and everything. She's like, I'm going to make you a big meal, feed you, feed your whole family. I'm like, don't feed my family, feed me. So she brought in goat. I never had goat before. And I didn't understand that a goat has a bone in it um, when it comes to little, I thought it looked like nuggets. So I'm like, oh, that looks delicious. So I'm eating it with some rice and this black bean, uh, like kind of uh, paste she made. And I bite into yeah. this thing and all I hear is two teeth crack. And I'm like, yeah. That's that's why I stick to fish because there's nothing fucking in there for me to break with my jaw on. Uh, yeah. So I live and I learn. That's all I got to say, Chris. I live and I learn. Uh, but goat's really, goat's really not bad. It's better in chili than it is anything. But you can put just about anything in chili and make it good. What do you typically, I guess, would prioritize as the main thing you like to serve? Like, if you were going to add something to something, like, do you prefer, like when you're serving it, do you care more about the barbecue? Do you like it to stand alone by taste, or do you like spices to be added on top of it, or stick to more of a sauce? Because I figure out, even though you've studied under so many pitmasters and stuff, you've developed your own style. You've developed your own kind of unique things. I've talked to some barbecue people that hate spices. I've talked to people that hate sauces. I like. You know, some people that are like, I want to grill the shit out of it to where it's so black that it looks like a charcoal, which I prefer because I like the meat so crusty and black yeah. that when you bite into it, it's like biting into like, I don't even know, a fire charcoal. Yeah. So how do I explain this? Um, I hate sauces. I rarely use sauce unless needed um, because I believe barbecue should be able to stand on its own. You make good barbecue, you shouldn't need a sauce, but I believe that our, all barbecue needs a rub. And specifically because when you barbecue things, rubs have salt and other things in them. And certain meat, like your beef ribs, your brisket, and your pork ribs are all need a salt base to them to make a perfect rib because it, it helps tenderize and break down the fat better. So salt is a tenderizer. It's also essentially like a dehydrator but it's also a tenderizer so it's a dehydrator when you use too much it's a tenderizer when it's in a rub or you just put like a layer of salt down on top of it just to help break down that fat while you're cooking it 
and I love the nice thick char because that's what a barbecue that's what barbecue should have. Yeah, when I look at barbecue sauces, I'm like, this is stuff you put on food that isn't barbecue um, to make it taste like barbecue. Like, oh, I'm eating a fucking salad. Let me put some barbecue sauce on here so I feel like I'm not eating healthy. You know, that whole thing. But, like, you put barbecue. I know people that dump it all over their ribs to the point, like, I hate that about ribs. That's why I never really eat them is because when you grab them, it's like there's so, so much sauce on it. It's all over your fingers. Next thing you know, you got, like, it all on your forehead. You got it on your car keys. You got it on the walls. It's like, how the hell did this happen? How did it get on the ceiling? It's like, I don't know. It just happens. But I'm like, I prefer when I grab a rib or something to be just plain, maybe a light little glaze on it, but enough to where I don't have to sit there and be like the guy from the Doritos commercials where he's sucking on his fingers. Like that's too much. Yeah. See, I literally, like I said, I don't sauce my ribs. It's a dry rub. Actually, Mad Raccoon might be my favorite, favorite rub in the entire world. And I use his rub on almost everything besides my own made rubs, but it never never needs sauce he makes a great barbecue sauce too but it's it doesn't need sauce he makes it's a good enough rub where it brings out enough flavor and the meat that it doesn't matter but i've like and if i do make barbecue sauce i'll traditionally make my own barbecue sauce and like i've made one with waste pot that was pretty good um i've made my own mad raccoon type barbecue sauce stuff like that so but once again i prefer not to use it uh it's like for example i went to this barbecue restaurant called Hambones. I went in there and spent like $175 for a family meal. That name, oh, man. You can't you can't you, you can't gloss over that name, dude. Come on now. Give that guy a freaking round of applause for Hambones. Holy shit. All right. <laughs> so, I go and eat all this food, right? And they're like, "Yeah, it's barbecue, it's barbecue, it's barbecue." It comes back to me, dude. I'm not even lying to you. The ribs were tough, undercooked. Like I had to like rip it off the bone. The brisket was shredded, not sliced. Everything was covered in barbecue sauce and it looked like it was baked. So I asked them, I'm like, can you fix this? Like this isn't real barbecue. And then they go off and blah, 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 telling me what do I know about real barbecue? And I just ripped them apart. That's what I was going to say, dude. I was going to say that, that an average customer, unlike an experienced guy like yourself, would walk in there and be like, this is the best barbecue I've ever had. And then, like, you walk in there, you're like, this is shit. What are you doing? This is undercooked. Where's the chef? Let me slap the hell out of him. Yeah, dude. And once I got done ripping them apart, they made me leave and still pay my bill. They didn't get a tip. Did you, you didn't get a tip? That's a good one. I was like about to say, did you order like an iced tea as well? Be like, all right, we'll put this on my master charge. You know what's funny is I went home the next day and actually fixed their product. Really? So I could eat it. I spent a lot of money. I still wanted to eat it. Oh, they gave you a to-go box to take it home and everything? Well, yeah, because I'm like, I'm like, they're they're like, oh, here's your bill. You need to pay it. And then this threw a couple boxes on the counter. If you have a to-go box to take home your food, I think you really actually enjoyed your meal because you're actually taking the time to understand every single taste to it. I eat my food way too fast. Like David gives me crap all the time for it. He's like, Rob, he goes, you're pouring way too much hot sauce on your food. I'm like, because it kills things, David. He's like, what, what do you mean kills things? I'm like, there's things inside of me I'm trying to kill. This is why I use a lot of hot sauce. If your nose doesn't run, if you don't cough like you're dying of a like throat cancer, then it's not a good meal in my opinion. I like to spice it up. I like to make it hot. I like to sweat for it. I like to feel like I work for my oh, meal. That is awesome. But like if we look at um, you know, barbecue in general, you taking that home and then also fixing it, like do you find to do that a lot when you go out to eat or maybe choose barbecue? You can kind of smell if they're doing something different or if they're doing something that should be added with something. So I got to be honest with you, I very, 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 very rarely go out to eat, especially for barbecue, um, because I am a pit master, because I am so critical, because I, in my eyes, I believe I can make better barbecue than half the freaking world. I choose to not go out. Like if I'm out running around, I'll go get something to eat or like, you know, order a pizza or something like that, you know, but traditionally no. I, I cook 99.9% of my meal, my family's meals. So what separates you 
from all the other barbecue people out there when you do your YouTube videos? What what do you think adds your flair, adds your edge to it, your style, I would say? Years of talent. Um, I'm not a backyard barbecue hero. I don't use a Traeger or a pellet smoker. Nothing against those for everybody that uses it. A lot of my team members use them. Um, for Mad Raccoon, for um, Fine King Knife, all, a lot of my team members, they use Traegers, and I have nothing against them. But because I've been taught to do steak burning, I've been taught to do barbecue traditionally, it, I love the art and the talent of barbecue. There's no real true art when it comes to, I put some pellets into a pit and turn it on and walk away, right? Like with my barbecues, I have to add charcoal. I have to add wood. I have to spray it down if it gets too hot. I have to close down vents. I have to open up vents. There's a lot of different things that have to be done when you're not doing barbecue where you just press a button and walk away. You're Picasso in the pits. I like it. So that's, and like I said, nothing against anybody that's using Traeger. I got a lot of good friends that use them. Um, and nothing against Traeger. It's just not, just not my forte. Well, there's a thing too. Like I remember when I started taking photography at one point, like I was just doing a little bit of like, uh, you know, average Instagram pictures on my cell phone or something, but they would be really nice pictures, really good angles, really good shots. And I got my buddy into it. Well, my buddy goes and buys an $8,000 Dyson camera and he starts thinking that buying the best equipment is going to make his photos a lot better than mine. He starts posting them up saying like, you see the bro, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. I'm like, dude, your photos are not that good. Like it doesn't make that really the camera. It makes what angles you can see. And I think that's like that with barbecue too. You can have the finest equipment. You can have a DVD attached to your fucking grill if you want, but honestly, it's not going to make the food taste better. It actually might actually hurt it. Like I look at the people that are more adventurous with their product, like the ones that are like, I'm going to take this pineapple. I'm going to wrap it in this and I'm going to soak it for a couple of days and then bam. And then they throw it up on the grill. I'm like, wow. Like, I commend yeah. you the amount of respect it must take to barbecue something for the, especially smoking something, how long that takes. And also, first of all, marinating anything, letting it sit in either an oven or let it sit in a crock pot. I could never do that. I'm an instant meal type of guy. Three minutes in the microwave for a hot pocket's too fucking much. I'll cut it at 2.30. But I mean, to each is their own. So I demanded a thing of respect for that too, because knowing that you're spending so much time making something to know that it's going to be gone probably in a matter of 10 minutes. It's something hard to do. It's like building a sandcastle, always knowing that that tide's going to come and knock it down. I agree with that. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a difficult thing, but it's a labor of love. So as long as you love what you do, it's no longer really work. How do you keep entertained when you're barbecuing though? Do you just find it like a video game? Like I know my parents used to trick me to clean the toilet. Sometimes you just think of it like a video game. So now even at the age I'm at now, I'll be cleaning my toilet. And I'm like, it's a fucking video game. You just, and it's fun to me. I got to tell you, I, how I keep myself entertained traditionally is posting my pictures on Instagram with all my yummy food and um, drinking and smoking. Like a cigar. Mm. Yeah, let's call it a magical cigar. Oh, the Green Dragon cigar. I got you. Yeah. So that's how I keep myself entertained while I'm cooking all day long. And I play with my dogs. God bless you, man. I would forget so much shit if I was doing that while barbecuing. I'd be, I did that once and I boiled fish and I came downstairs naked. I forgot what I was actually doing. Came downstairs naked and I had the, the handle turned like to where it was pointing out to you. And yeah. I bent down to pick something up that I dropped in front of the stove. And I came up and the thing, my shoulder hit the handle and water, you could hear tip out and it hit the flame and go, and I'm naked. So I'm like, I better put clothes on. So I went upstairs and put like five different jackets and six pairs of pants on. I was so scared for the rest of the week after that. Yeah. the um... <laughs> I've lived a crazy life, Chris. What can I say? Um, yeah. The only, <laughs> the only time I really forget thing isn't with the green dragon. It's when I finish a bottle of moonshine. Mm, that'll knock you on your the, ass. The whole world gets forgotten at that point. I've done that a few times and burnt the hell out of my food and had to trash it, but, you know, it's okay. There's a bit uh, by a comedian named Bo Burnham, and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but uh, he's got a thing about 
when you come home high versus when you come home drunk and he's going through the kitchen when he's like drunk and he's just like sloshing around slapping all the shelves and everything and then he goes when he, then making a peanut butter sandwich went high and he comes in and he starts looking around the kitchen and it's like this like it's suspenseful music playing and he's grabbing everything and he's like doing these giant moves and he grabs like a knife with peanut butter on it and he goes and like slam dunks it like that onto the thing and it's like 15 minutes of him just over dramatically making peanut butter then he goes to put the peanut back butter back in the shelf and he looks at it opens it up it's like imaginary thing just starts pulling it out and eating it and then all he hears the door open up and then his mom comes home she's like what are you doing what's behind your back he goes nothing he goes is that is that he goes it's peanut butter and he shows it to her and she goes that's mayonnaise and he's like what and she's like you've been eating mayonnaise i'm like i've been that high before trust me that's why i could never do it by doing barbecue but like even when you talk about doing a moonshine for instance like that's a stereotypical thing when you're doing barbecue it's always some like hardcore whiskey it's always something like that it's a great thing even on smoker's pit they were selling like hardcore alcohol how hardcore liquor but like the like when you're setting up your own restaurant that you plan on doing soon or like in a couple of years what are you typically going to style it like? Because what this smoker's pit in my area did, we live in a beach town. So everything's kind of concrete buildings, apartment complexes. They did it like an old farmhouse. And I think that's what really brings into the thing. Because when I think barbecue, I think fire pit. I think all the times I went camping with my dad and got to enjoy, you know, good stuff on the campfire, that smoky flavor soaked in. Yeah. So since the bar, since the restaurant is going to be, my plan is to be like a barbecue diner because I just don't want barbecue food because not everybody loves barbecue and some people get over it and some people want to like maybe like dad wants barbecue but mom wants to go to a diner to get like a chicken wrap or something right so I cross over uh, like a little mom and pop diner with a barbecue restaurant so I'll serve both and I want to do what it, country chic I think is what my wife said she wants to design it as I don't know. She's going to design it. I don't design stuff. Yet. I just cook it. That's, I mean, that's a good way to live. I'm all about the designing. I mean, well, hold on a sec. You can't say you're all about the design and all about, or you can't say you're all about the food, then not about the design. Have you seen your Instagram photos? Like, holy shit, that's a design if I've okay. ever seen one. Okay. My food design, I'm very big on. A woodworking design, woodworking designs, I'm very big on. Like, I'm making cutting boards, stuff like that. You're Zoolander with freaking barbecue, man. Like I've seen some of these photos and I'm like, did this just come out of one of those food, uh, food magazines, whatever, like food TV, like Rachel Ray comes in. It's like, here's how you make this. First, you're going to add this, put it in the microwave for 30 minutes. And then here you go. And it's like, where the, what the hell? I'm still on step one. Where the hell did you get that from? You said it cooked for four hours. How did you get it so fast? Like, oh, we already had it pre-made and pre-cooked and ready for you. I'm like, how do I know if you followed all the exact steps? I've been lied to before. Uh, well, <laughs> exactly, right? So that's a cool thing. When I moved to North Carolina, I've been waiting to set up all my new equipment um, because I have a whole bunch of new equipment, new cameras, new light bars, um, fucking new grills and new smokers. There's my Longhorn Oklahoma Joe new pots and pans, and I'm going to be starting full-blown YouTube videos on how to cook, how to barbecue, and it won't just be barbecue. I will be doing everything from fine dining to barbecue. I'm probably going to put it down as ethnicities, like, so this month will be Spanish, next month will be um, Israel, next month will be ne the Netherlands. So um, that's kind of what I'm going to be going at. What would be your most memorable thing when it comes to barbecue? Like, I'll give you a quick example for me. When I was a kid, probably around 11 or 12 years old, I used to go camping with my dad all the time. But around 11 and 12, I actually decided to understand the cooking process of food rather than just making a marshmallow in the fire. Uh, my dad's the type of guy that takes a marshmallow, holds it over the fire, and for like an hour, he's just rotating it until it's all golden brown. That, that type of guy. That's savagery in my land. I prefer to just stick it right in the fire and then just take it out, blow on it, and then eat it. Well, I remember when he was making corn on the cob, hot dogs, burgers, on top of this campfire. It was a crusty little grill, so he took tinfoil and laid it out on top of it. It's the one the campground already gives you. We threw these nice uh, wood, get the coals burning real nice. He puts um, the tinfoil 
wraps it around on top of the food and lets it soak. He waited till the fire died down real low and he had that thing cooking for probably an hour. And I'm like, dad, I think it's long enough. I'm hungry. He's like, trust me. Do we get this thing opened up? He sets this burger that's in this tinfoil right in front of you. You sit there and you open it up. So you have to put it on your patty. Let me tell you something, dude. That's pure ecstasy. I opened that thing up and I felt like I just opened up fucking Pandora's box or Victoria's secret underwear drawer because I was like, Oh, he's like, good. Right. I'm like, I don't even want to like do anything on it. Like, I just don't want to, I don't want to even soil it with a bun. He takes a nice bun that he baked on the a freaking oven fire too, man. Like it may, got it to where it was nice and a little bit crusty, not too soft, not too hard, but he puts it there, puts that on top of there. I'm like, I'm not even going to put tomato on it. Don't need to put ketchup on it. Freaking my dad knows if he cooks food wrong, I'll dump ketchup all over that shit. But he did made that burger. And I swear that with a nice baked potato and a corn on the cob, get your life together, son. If I get to heaven and at the pearly gates, there's that offered up to me. I, I'll take that. I'll sit outside the pearly gates and eat it. I don't care. I'll pull up a stool. Uh, right. I, I'm, I'm, a, I agree with you with that because when food's that good, it's just that good. And it doesn't have to be something fancy to be that good. I think it's about the time and the effort that gets put into the food. I mean, if you really care for your food, like you say you do, you know, you put in the amount of work, you put them on the criticism, especially on yourself, which is very, very hard. I mean, if you want to relate a little bit to like my fitness aspect, the reason why I work out so hard and the reason why I do that is because I'm very, very critical of myself. I'm not critical of others, but I'm very, very critical about how hard it is to work out. And I believe that's the same thing with being a chef. It's a gift and a curse. It's a gift yeah. you keep working and you keep improving yourself but as a curse it's got to be like damn man like i can't enjoy anything i can't sit down and eat my meal because this needs a little bit of salt this needs a little bit of this well in in all reality being a cook being a chef is truly anyone can learn it but it's a god-given gift to be amazing at it and i'm not saying i'm amazing at it i got a lot to learn i know people that can out cook me when any day of the week you know, I'm nowhere near Chef Ramsey or anything like that. But, you know, I even have one of my best friend's dads. It's been a chef since he was like 15. He's like 50 now. That guy could outcook me any day of the week. And I idolize when I look at him and cook. My mom was the same way until she stopped. She, I could outcook her now. Um, but what was I getting at? There was something I was getting at with all of this. You're most memorable. Ah, most memorable. All right, so most memorable was about five years ago. I was 20 when I was on my 25th birthday, actually. And it might be interesting that it was so late in life for my most memorable barbecue thing. But I, it was my 25th birthday. I got a group of the friends to come down. Friends from friends came from Oregon, from uh, Missouri, and somewhere else. And then all through California, right? So I went out and spent, I'm not even lying, you $600 on me. I bought a Wagyu tri-tip. I bought some ridiculous prime beef ribs. I bought uh, some pork belly from some fancy farm. You know, I just went, I just went crazy. And I just literally sat there and all we did was drink and sit in front of the barbecue, watching this food cook the whole time. And we're just all sitting and talking, just having a great time. And then I literally get the food off the grill, slice it up, take a picture. No lie, before I could even touch the food, it was already gone. How? The guys just went and after I sliced oh, okay. it up, the guys just went and slam, slam it. I, I, I thought like it was something like I do, like if I accidentally leave it too close to the side and a dog comes over and grabs you, you're like, son of a bitch, like that's Wagyu. I had to beat that bear for 12 hours with a, with a stick. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and i've had my my big old i have four dogs but my big bulldog is notorious for jumping up on the counter he's taking down shots of tequila he's taking down carne asada he's taking down a bottle of whiskey he's drank one of my beers anything that dog can get off the counter he'll eat or drink as move, long as it's move the booze to a higher shelf yeah, like, so, so i got a story for you i was out in arizona me and my wife lived in Arizona for about five years. She went to ASU out there. I bought a house out there. We had some friends come over. I cooked, no lie, like four pounds of carne asada. 
We pour a bunch of shots. I go outside to go smoke real quick, me and my buddy, and we're going to go back inside to eat. We go back inside to eat. By the time I'm back inside, I'm not saying this is longer than five minutes. All the carne asada was gone. The shots were dumped down and licked off the floor. Luckily, there were plastic glasses, plastic shot glasses, so my dog didn't, like, cut his tongue open. Clean the floor of tequila. This dog starts walking, ends up falling over in my living room and just dropping. Couldn't move. And I'm like, are you okay? I've seen very few things when it comes to the stupidity of a dog. I had a, a little, like, a Maltese and I had another Maltese poodle. Well, one of them's name was Rio, and my dad stuck a microwaved hot dog, put it in the microwave for like seven minutes and walked away. And I'm like, that's a lot of time for a hot dog. And <laughs> he opens it up, and when he opens it up and he grabs it with his hands, it burns him, and he drops it. And my dog, as soon as it hit the floor, ran up, and she's small. She ran up, scooped the whole thing in her mouth, and swallowed it. All you heard was this dog roll on its back and scream like somebody was murdering it, just screaming for a minute straight, like, ah, ah, ah. My dad's like, I don't know what the fuck to do. I can't pull it out of her. She swallowed it already. I'm like, you just got to let it burn, dude. See what happens. It's like I do the same shit when I put pizza in the oven. You know, when I pull it out and I take that nice first bite, roof of my mouth is already fucked. I got one for you. My little English cream golden retriever, she's six months old right now. About two months ago, I had a sandwich in my hand. She jumps up, grabs the sandwich out of my hand, and runs away. That's when you're like, is the SPCA taking new volunteers? Is anybody, is anybody looking to donate something? Because I don't, I don't want to have this in my life anymore. Uh, but it's like, and, it, and it's sad because she's so freaking cute. I literally cannot get mad at her. It's like the most adorable dog I've ever had. And I'm like, I really want to yell at you like I do my big boy and smack you. But I'm cute. I get it. My buddy owned Newfoundland dogs. And uh, one of them's name is Diesel. So he's 160 pounds at the age of a year and a half. He's about standing up. Yeah, standing up on his hind legs. He's about probably 6'4", 6'5". So he towered a little bit over me. Um, But I'd be sitting there in the kitchen making like eggs or something. And like you would see him pop around, he would just look at you. And he would have his moments where he was too out of energy to where the point he'd just look at you and be like, like just kind of like the head nod. But then he would have his moments where he'd be like a little bastard. And he would sit there and look at you and start barking like, come on, let's play. I want that. Let's play. I'll play you for it. And I'm like, no, 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 man. Come on, seriously. So I'll be flipping eggs or something. He just runs, does this little leap thing, takes both of his paws and slams me right in the back. And I slammed my arms right on the stovetop, dude. Burned myself on the side. I was like, son of a bitch, man. But like, I get it, dude. You know, pets are fun. But when it's around barbecue, it's like, sorry, but I spent a lot of money on this food. And I don't care about you that much. You'll be my new jacket. Yeah, dude. Um, Just dogs. They're shitheads. That's all it is. Hey, they're lovable companions. But if I had to ask you what's your worst accident you've ever had in the kitchen? I've ta- I've said I've, I just burned my hand on a stove when a dog pushed me into it. But I've also slammed my hand inside of a George Foreman, and that does not fucking feel good. I, so, worst, worst injury in a kitchen. I don't know. I can't. I've burned myself many times. really can't call that the worst injury. Probably taken off the tip of my thumb. For people that are watching this video, I just looked up really, really crazy because I'm surprised we didn't get to uncover this until the really the ending of the episode. I was, this is something you tell us out in the beginning. Like, hey, did you know I almost cut off my thumb one time or I actually did cut off my thumb? Hey, man, I've uh, literally cut off the tip of my thumb. I have scars all over my hands from legitimately cooking. I, ha- I have no feelings left in my fingertips. I can pick up a 200 200- degree brisket without burning my hands yeah it's just so worst injury i can't really tell you because i've had a ton i fried this arm where you see the tattoo you can see a little bit of a burn right there i burnt that whole entire arm from pretty much my wrist to my elbow covered my tattoo luckily my tattoo healed over enough and my wife's a burn nurse so we were able to take care of it instantly see that's 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 what scares me dude is i one thing I hold crucial out of all my perceptive skills, besides like sight, hearing, taste, touch, it touches my all-time favorite. If I lost that, I don't know what I would do. 
Like even when I burn my hands, sometimes I get scared. Like my hands have, are so callous from working out all the time that like yeah. there, I can handle anything on top of them. I could touch a stove thing. Like I remember one time I got so high, um, my grandma was pulling stuff out of the oven and I wanted to help her. So she pulls out this tray and she's like, go set that on the table. And she thought since everybody had gloves on grabbing the food and carrying it over, I did too. So I go, okay, I grab it, just start walking over to the table and put it down. And like, as I look, my hands are all like a little bit like smoking a little bit. I was like, ow. And like this, that, that's when I noticed it is after I dropped it. But like still, it's, you know, burns happen so much too. Like that's what you got to be careful about, especially in the kitchen. That's why I said it's so intimate because you got people going around you 24-7. It gets dangerous for everybody. Yeah, and, I, and I've done that as a professional chef, dude. To pick up something, me knowing it's hot, pick it up and like, oh, like right out of been like cornbread right out of an oven, right? That's still too hot for me to touch. I pull it out of the oven and end up dropping the cornbread all over the place because hot shit's hot. That's actually a term you'll hear in every kitchen. As soon as you say, oh, fuck, you'll hear every cook, every busboy, hot shit's hot, dumbass. Dude, you tossed out cornbread. That, that's making me hungry as hell. And for people that are listening, let me tell you something. It is around lunchtime for me, and I'm already thinking of a nice thing of warm, crispy biscuit, dude. You tell me about a nice, warm, crispy biscuit. You can't beat a barbecue meal without a biscuit. No, biscuit or cornbread. There needs to be a fast food barbecue joint. There is. It's Dickies and it's terrible. I used to run them. Well, why don't you make your own fast food barbecue joint? Or do you prefer that they sit down and enjoy the meal? No, I want to sit down and enjoy their meals. I don't want to be the low end of anything, but I don't want to be the high end of anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, if I'm going to be a diner, I want to be the best diner out there. I want to be the best diner barbecue restaurant out there that is in my grade, not that's above me or below me. Yeah, you want to have um, that family sensibility and that family kind of memories that you can get at a restaurant. You know, a lot of the times I went to Applebee's, TGI Fridays, those were the best moments I had with my grandparents because we would just sit down and be lost. And as I look at my older age now, back to when I was a kid going out with them and eating, now they're at the age you can't really do that a whole lot. Um, you know, they're just not health-wise up to moving out of the house anymore. It's so sad because I took a lot of those times as a kid for granted, scribbling into my menu or playing onto my phone or something. I look back and I'm like, damn, there needs to be more joints that are established to have that family aspect of things. It seems like too many times nowadays you get a waiter that comes up and they're too overly comfortable where they sit down in your booth like, how you guys doing? You guys doing good? What do you guys want to order off the menu? It's like, can you get the fuck out of the booth? And that's really big down in the south and the east coast and like the small towns. It's really big for your server to come down and just sit with you, which I think is very weird. But on the other hand, my mom's, you know, ran restaurants her whole entire life and she was a chef and all of that. So and she's done the same thing. So I think it's super weird. But I, I don't know, maybe it's just the way that the small towns are. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit more community in a small town rather than a big town. I think it depends on how what your main attraction would be if it's more of like a country type thing there's very few people out there you become more connected um such as like large neighborhoods like i have every house looks the same nobody looks any bit different so everybody just kind of keeps to themselves and isolates especially with technology yeah. nowadays too but i mean it's a benefit too because without technology and without a podcast i would have never gotten the happy man barbecue on my podcast so there you go and i would have never been able to be able to be on this podcast which thank you very much for letting me on i'm glad we finally got it together i know it's been like months of us trying to go back and forth about this but we finally got it happen i'm pretty sure david would be happy right now uh, he actually messaged me uh when we set it up the day we set it up he's like oh i heard you're gonna be on the podcast i'm like yo I mentioned, I was like, is there anything I should know about Chris before he comes on? He goes, uh, he likes my sauce. I'm like, that, that's, that's wonderful information, Dave. Thank you so much. Shout out to David uh, from Way Hot Hot Sauce, man. Definitely keeping the heat coming. 100%. Hey, and if anybody has any questions about cooking, um, recipes, anything like that, um, you're all more than welcome to DM me at Happy Man Barbecue on Instagram. Um, I can give you recipes on how to make just about anything from scratch or if you just have a question on how long to cook something or how long to marinate whatever go ahead and dm me i'm more than happy to answer any questions and just like this pod podcast episode and an average turkey the episode is done and i thank you all for listening